Ducks fans, are you ready? You are listening to the Ducks and Pucks podcast. This is the number one home for Anaheim Ducks talk and analysis. Here we go. Welcome to the show. This is your host, Mike Walters, along with my co-host, Eddie Richard. And we're back after a, a week of hockey. Uh, as we've talked about, we're doing the show uh, weekly, as we hope, throughout the season. And the Ducks uh, had their homestand that we're going to cover. They played uh, three games. They won two out of three. And then they went on the road and faced our favorite team in Nashville. And uh, what a disaster that was. And we'll, we'll analyze that game as well. And we have plenty of other topics to get to. Uh, Nick Ritchie has been a big one lately. He's been taking some uh, quote-unquote stupid penalties. Uh, we talked about some trade rumors as well involving him and maybe some other players that have popped up around the league. Uh, we've got some poll questions to cover as well. Uh, we're going to cover the San Diego goals. And a familiar face has returned to the Ducks and Luca Spiza. So we're going to talk about him and also some league news in addition to that as we break it all down to you uh, in the Ducks action this last week. So, Eddie, you know, the Ducks went home. They played three games. They won two out of three. We'll, we'll you know, kind of go through the sequence of events, but we'll also have some topics we'll throw in between some of these. But we'll start off with the Buffalo game. Uh, the Ducks in this one got down early uh, 2-0, and things didn't look too good for them. Uh, it looked like Max Jones was going to get his first goal. Ended up being challenged. It was offsides. The Ducks still got another goal in the first period to break it to 2-1. to one. And then they went on and scored four more, and they ended up winning this game 5-2. to two. Uh, A couple things here in this game, Eddie. I mean, the comeback kids, I guess, you know, with the Ducks getting down early. We saw that come back. And we saw the Ducks get pretty physical in this game. And, uh, well, finally the power play got a goal. I mean, it's just, you know, still the only one of the season. But, uh, you know, they did get one uh, with the man advantage. So, and they played a, a tough Buffalo team. This team, uh, at this point in time, did not have a regulation loss. So it was a good contest. I, I thought this one was probably one of the most entertaining games throughout the season uh, at Honda Center, Eddie. Uh, what were your thoughts on the Ducks coming back and winning this one? I think uh, you and all the listeners already know my feelings toward this game and how much I loved it. This game was freaking awesome. It sucks that I wasn't feeling that well. I couldn't go there physically to watch it. I really wish I would have sucked it up, drank some more NyQuil, and went and watched this game. I loved it. And Buffalo thought they were going to cruise to an early win, going up 2 nothing. The Ducks, nope, they had something other uh, up their sleeves. They didn't stop. That tip-in goal by Henrique was just a thing of beauty. I think all the Ducks' goals that were scored were just like outstanding, amazing goals. From uh, Henrique's tip to Raquel just getting the goalie to bite and just sliding that puck right between them. Of course, Getzloff's one-timing power play goal. Thank you for having the power play goal. And then uh, people overlooked the, uh, Henrique's second goal, but the pass from Comtois was just a thing of beauty. I think that pass set up the reason that goal was made possible. And, and a lot of people really don't give uh, passers or the assists that much credit that they deserve. But that pass was probably a little bit better than the goal. But I, I love this game. And, Mike, uh, <laughs> I want to break down my favorite parts, and I'll, I'll just go ahead and start off with what happened, and we'll, we'll just talk about it from there because a lot happened but it starts off with the uh, Rowney getting a big hit on Ophelson if that's how you say it I don't really care because he's Buffalo not the Ducks but it was a really good hit it was unfortunate he got called for it because the Buffalo player kind of he kind of went like flinched and went lower it, it, it was a good clean hit in my perspective and I liked it and then everyone came to town then we saw one of our enforcer, elite enforcer, Derek Grant, body slamming some guy. So maybe when he's done playing hockey, he has a career at the WWE because that was one hell of a body slam. Yeah, that, that part was nuts, man. I, I remember I posted the video when I was there of the body slam and everybody was going crazy. Uh, the Ducks weren't backing down or having any of it in this game and, and really none of these games. And, and, you know, they won two and they lost two and we'll break them all down individually. But the Ducks do have more of that swag back that we've talked about. Um, we'll, we'll get to the frustration in Nashville. But in these three games at home, you've, you've seen the physicality of the Ducks. You see them standing up for the team. They're fighting back. Uh, like you said, Rowney had a good hit. They called the penalty, whatever. 
Uh, I, I really thought this game was entertaining. We saw uh, Holzer going at it by the bench over there. Um, all kinds of things uh, unfolding in this game. I, I mean, the only real downside to this game for the Ducks was, again, they had a slow start, which we've harped on that. And they did take a lot of penalties. They had seven uh, penalties in this game. But the penalty kill, which has been stellar this season, killed off six of the seven. So a lot of just stuff going on, like you said. Uh, goals everywhere. Henrique's been on fire. Uh, Raquel, uh, you know, like you talked about, scored. Uh, Silverberg as well has been doing well. That whole line has really been the Ducks' best line this season. And uh, this was just a good win all the way around. The, the Ducks getting down early. Coming back, uh, like we said, with the Jones goal being disallowed, they could have kind of folded, but no, they fought back. And they're just not taking, you know, for lack of a better word, crap from anybody, Eddie. Oh, yeah, I love it. I, I've said it before. If the Ducks play it this way, it's going to dictate games. Buffalo did not know how to respond to the Ducks. Once the Ducks got physical, Buffalo just kind of backed off, and they weren't making those crisp passes. Their shots were going wide. They seemed really intimidated by the Ducks. Of course, they're not going to back down. And, and when it came to it, when, you know, Raquel and Skinner went at it at the end of the period, and then breaking Holzer's stick, I've never seen Holzer that pissed off in my life. Uh, he must have a really emotional attachment to the sticks like I do. He got really upset. But I love seeing this fire from the Ducks, and Buffalo did not know how to respond. Even when Buffalo tried to get physical and, and go out and take runs at players, McCabe just found out the hard way that you can't really just run on a rookie like Comtois. Comtois MC hammered him, and you can't touch this, and spun right away, and McCabe ended up hitting the board a little too hard. Nothing was going right for Buffalo. It was all the Ducks. The Ducks swagged that grit. None of them were backing down, and they really put the brakes in on Buffalo. They had no idea how to respond. I think if the Ducks played like this, I mean, there was a little too many penalties, and you can argue a few of them should not have been called. Ducks had a stellar penalty kill, killing off six of them out of the seven. I, I, this was an overall a great game by the Ducks, by a, a hot team right now that's starting really hot. And I, I wish I could see the Ducks, you know, like I said, go back to the Dirty Ducks. With the exception of one play, I think the Ducks handled themselves well, and, and this is the kind of hockey I want to see going forward. It's going to you know, play into their success. Yeah, and I think the one thing that you're talking about is has really been a talk amongst a lot of fans. Has uh, been Nick Ritchie. Uh, you saw after the whistle, he went after uh, Saboka and uh, basically just tackled him, you know, over towards the slot, uh, Buffalo's net. Uh, he ended up, you know, getting a, you know a penalty for that, obviously. And then we find out the day after he gets fined four thousand one hundred twenty-one dollars and eighty-six cents. I know some of you are like, why don't they round it up? Don't ask me. I don't know. It just says it's the maximum allowable under the CBA. So I, I don't know how they come up with these amounts or whatever. But so that's been a big issue. And so, uh, you know, we had a poll question out there, Eddie, as far as what people thought about the fines and whatnot. Um, if you want to share those results, and then we can kind of talk about Nick Ritchie and just kind of the thoughts, because there's a lot of people out there that uh, aren't really happy with him, and then there's some other people that are like, you know, they're still okay with him. Oh, yeah. And, uh, we, we took a Twitter poll, and 61% of you said that Ritchie deserved the fine, 30% said he didn't deserve it, and 9% said he were unsure. And like I, I've talked about before, I love a good, hard, physical game. But I was one of the 61% that said, vote it yes. I think he deserved a fine. I get it. You were pissed off. You, you, you took an elbow. You took a cheap shot during the play. There's a time and place for things. You going after after him when the play was dead, and it's just, you know, you pretty much just accosted him. And it, it, you know, it cost you a penalty. What if Buffalo would have scored, got momentum, and came back and beat the Ducks? You put your team in a, in a predicament because you were pissed off because you couldn't take what you usually dish out. And those are the kind of plays I don't like. like. The play's over. If you want to fight them during the game, if you want to take a run at them during the game, do it. But come on, the whistle's blown. That's one of the golden rules. I mean, the whistle's blown. Stop. Just just let it go. Get yourself in check. And, and especially with Nick Ritchie, he's one of those players that's been taking a lot of questionable penalties for over the last few seasons. And, and that one was a bad one to take. And luckily the Ducks were on fire in their penalty kill, but let's throw the what-if card, Mike. What if Buffalo came back and scored a goal 
during that penalty and what if that got the momentum swing to their direction and they came back and beat the Ducks? Then everyone would be like, you know, it's all Nick Ritchie's fault and I bet you that 30% that said he didn't deserve to be fine would probably vote yes, he deserved to be fine if he cost the Ducks the game. And sometimes your personal pissed-offness can wait, bite your tongue, count to five or something and go after him during the play and after a later time but not during like when the whistle's done and he's skating to the bench. And yeah, Hutton... You know, do some cheap shots at Richie, but I think any other goalie, including John Gibson, would have stood up for their team. And one thing you notice about that play when Nick Richie went and tacked him, a few of the Ducks players saw what was happening, saw the goalie hitting Nick Richie, and it took them a, a few seconds to react. Like, I, I don't know if they took it like, oh man, what's Richie doing? And oh, we have to go, and you know, he's our teammate, so we have to step up for him. But they weren't really quick to go get his back. Like, I don't know, that's how I saw the play. But I don't know. What did you think about it, Mike? Yeah, I think, that, I mean, a couple of things you touched on there. Uh, yeah, I mean, the play was over and the players were going towards the bench. So that might have been part of the reason. And then they looked over and were like, WTF, what's going on? So I think that might have been a little bit more of it. But I, I definitely think there could be uh, some thought of like, hey, dude, like what the F are you doing? And, and we'll talk about the Nashville game later because he does some stupid stuff there as well. Uh, when we get through it. But yeah, I mean, that's definitely part of it. And a big key that you talked about is time and place. You're playing a game. Someone takes a hit at you. You don't like it. You want to get that guy back or another guy back. I, I, I get it. It's a total human emotion. You're in the heat of the game. You're like, F this guy. You know, he, he did this cheap shot or whatever. But you got to pick and choose when you're going to do that. You know, if that guy, if that means it's it's a period later or a couple shifts later, you know, you got to figure it out. You can't just, oh, the whistle's over. I'm going to go straight over to the guy and then just tackle him. I mean, it's an easy call for the ref. And, and I wasn't surprised that he got fined at all. I was I was just waiting to, for that news to come out the, the post um, or the day following the game. And um, the other part of it, too, is we, we took a poll question about trading Richie. And I was kind of surprised. I don't know if... Uh, it would have changed after the game against Nashville, but we had just over 60% said to trade him, and I honestly thought it was going to be higher. And we do have some trade rumors and things like that that we'll get to later in the show. But uh, for me, I, I mean, I'm I'm surprised it's not 70 80% that people would want to trade Richie based upon the stuff he's doing right now. He's had some chances to score offensively, you know, and he's had one goal on the season in seven games or, or now uh, – uh, eight, but uh, I mean, it's not. You know, I don't know. He's just he's just not performing, and he's doing things at the wrong time. He's getting frustrated, and and just picking you know poor timing, really, Eddie. I mean, that's what you've talked about. Oh, definitely, and I can understand the fans' frustrations, especially going back to uh, that Boston game, seeing Posture not score four goals, and to think that we picked Nick Ritchie with the 10th overall pick and Pasternak was picked with the 25th overall. I mean, imagine if we had that guy at number 10 and how he could have been lighting up. And even I've seen fans argue about Dylan Larkin too, who was picked at 15. Uh, two players that I think both of them are superstars and, and with their teams and, and they could have helped the Ducks immensely. I think that's part of the frustration because we expected Nick Ritchie to perform as a, a top uh, 10 overall pick and he hasn't. And this season, he's getting a lot of chances, and, and he's played better this season minus the penalties. But chances aren't going his way, and he's just getting so frustrated. He's letting that dictate whatever it is that is going on in his mind. Um, I'm probably with the fans that say to trade Nick Ritchie. Uh, we had him. We gave him enough time. It's obviously not working out for the Ducks. I think if we can trade him to a different team, he, he can catch, you know, maybe he can find his stride and have a successful NHL career. Because the way it's going with the Ducks, it, it doesn't seem like it's going to pan out. And I think a change of scenery is going to help him. I mean, look at James Neal over there in Edmonton. He's Everyone thought he was done, including myself. He was just playing poorly in Calgary. But he's, I guess, a, a new fire, a new flame lit. He's playing well with Edmonton. Boo, Edmonton, because they're them. <laughs> uh, come back on Catella. Um <laughs> but yeah, I, I think it's it's time already. We exhausted all the means. We have a new coach. Uh, I I think it's it's not working out, and he needs a change of scenery and, and new people around him, and maybe he'll have more success. 
Yeah, and we'll elaborate on that a little bit more later on. There's some rumors with some players out there uh, that are maybe on the trading block and the Ducks have been mentioned, and we'll talk about possibly him being involved in those as well. So we'll, we'll go into a little bit more depth on that. But uh, back to this homestand, the Ducks uh, rallied. They came back. They beat Buffalo. Then they had another uh, hot team come to town, uh, the Carolina Hurricanes. And in this game, the Ducks actually got out to a lead. <laughs> and they actually got out to a substantial lead. They uh, were almost blew Carolina straight out of the building uh, halfway through this game. They were up 4 nothing. Uh, as we talked about, Adam Henrique getting another goal. Uh, Troy Terry got his first on the season. Uh, Jacob Silverberg getting his fourth of the season in this game. And, you know, halfway through the game, the Ducks were just cruising. Uh, they also had Ryan Miller in net, uh, which we'll talk about a little bit as well. And we saw, again, the Ducks with that swag and grit. We saw Manson get in a fight with Edmondson. And Manson laying some big hits, too, on some of, uh, of the uh, Carolina players in this game. And this, this was a, a good, another good test for the Ducks. They faced Mrazek Annette, who had been undefeated at this point in time, and they booted him out of the game. And uh, it was a good battle. Uh, I liked everything I saw uh, for the Ducks. Kind of a low-shot game, 24-20 to 20 in favor of the Hurricanes. But this was a nice change of pace, Eddie. The Ducks got out to a lead, and then they did give up a couple goals in the second period, but then they held on the third to win. Yeah, the Hurricanes have been one of those those teams that got off to a hot start. They had their best start in franchise history. And they're a hot team right now. Those bunch of jerks have been really playing some serious hockey and became a, a what people are talking about, a legitimate contending team this season. So it's kind of interesting to come in this game, see okay how the Ducks are going to respond if they're going to bring that same swag and grit they, they brought from Buffalo. And they did. They came out hard. They came out fast. They played great in the first half. And they were just... Just coming out of nowhere, they, man, Carolina had no idea what to do. They were like on their heels. It's just crazy. Troy Terry's tipping goal. Oh, what a thing of beauty! It's something like uh, Joe Pavelski. Like he's he's the king of tipping goals, and Troy Terry looked like a seasoned veteran with that tip. Great goal. Manson's hit on Halla. That was a great clean hockey hit. I know a bunch of people were complaining, mostly Hurricane fans. If you're a real hockey fan and you know this game, you can't argue that that was a, a clean hit. There was no call on it. It was just a, beaut- a thing of beauty. Unfortunately, Halla left the game, did not return after that hit, and we saw Edmondson try to take uh, uh, try to fight Manson during that play, but the refs, of course, you know, prematurely went in there and broke him up like it's their, their middle school kids. But we all knew that Manson would have to answer the bell, and that's what I like to see in this game. I mean, that's what this game's about. If you're going to lay a big hit on one of their their better players, you're at the answer the bell. Just like if someone took a run at at someone like Silverberg or Raquel, I hope one of the our Ducks players, and I'm pretty sure, 100 percent sure, one of them will go in there and and you know get their back. This fight, uh, from a fan's perspective, on who won, 41 percent said Manson won. 17% said Edmondson won, and then 42% said it was a tie. I would vote with the 42% saying it was a tie. I mean, both of them are, are big boys. They know how to scrap. Both of them got their fair uh, amount of hits in, but I, I didn't see anyone coming out as a clear winner, and I, I think it was a you know, a, a tie. And It was good to see Madsen getting back to his, his man boom days. And that gritty, hard physical play. And I hope that, you know, he brings that going forward. I think he's going to have more success because his best season came when he was playing that physical type of hockey. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that poll question we did was uh, interesting that, you know, most people thought it was a tie. There was still a big chunk that said Manson won. But I agree with you. I don't really think either one of those players won at hand down. I, I think... In the beginning, it looked like Manson was kind of winning. Then it kind of looked like Edmondson was kind of winning. And then it kind of was even towards you know the very end, in my opinion. So I think the biggest thing, though, you and I have talked about with Manson is that in the last season, he, he just kind of seemed to disappear. He, he wasn't as physical. He wasn't checking people. He wasn't fighting as much. And throughout this season, we've seen him... You know, go back to the old Josh Manson we know. He's standing up for his teammates, as you mentioned. Um, in case someone gets picked on, he, he's been there. Uh, he's also delivered a hit. And when he's been, you know, called upon, uh, you know, or called out, I guess you would say, on a certain play, he's he's there. So 
he's really earning that A this season uh, as an alternate captain. And I, I like what he's doing. I like his play. I like his physicality. He's made a couple little bad turnovers here and there this season. But overall, you have to like the way he's been playing, the way he's got that grit back and, and getting the Ducks back to what we talked about, being a team with some swag, a team that's fighting, a team that's um, in your face. You know, These were the things, I think, why the Ducks beat Buffalo and the Hurricanes. Both these teams weren't uh, used to playing a physical-type team in your face, and I think the Ducks used that to their advantage. The other part of this, too, that we talked about is that Miller was in net and, and Miller played a great game. And I, I know we talked about this on previous podcasts, but Miller needs to play more games. And I'm not taking anything away from John Gibson. I'm not saying Gibson's bad, you know, don't don't get all mad at me or whatever. But uh, you need to rest Gibson here or there. And that's my point. And you need to give Miller some reps. So I was happy to see him come in in this game and play very well. I mean, yeah, he, he gave up a couple goals. Not, not a big deal. You know, one was on the power play. And then, uh, you know, the other one uh, later on in the second period. But overall, he played a really uh, solid game, stopping uh, 24, what was it, 22 of the 24 shots in this contest. And that's just one thing that we mentioned is getting him some more uh, game action in there so that Gibson can get some rest and whatnot. Um, I don't know if you have any uh, agree or disagree on that, Eddie. I know we both kind of talked about it at the beginning of the season, one way to make this team uh, a little bit stronger. And a part of that, too, about keeping Gibson fresh is not just now, but we're talking about later in the season. If the Ducks are playing like this and they're battling out for a playoff spot, which I know it's early, but, you know, and I don't want to use the playoff word. However, they're, they're playing at a very, very good, you know, rate right now. A good chance that they can be in the playoffs. And you want your goal to be as fresh as you can down the stretch, Eddie. Oh, yeah, I 110% agree with you. I don't really have to add anything about that. I, I do want Miller to have a few games. Gibson needs a, a few a few more nights off, especially after last season, all the shots he, he was faced. Especially having a, a few bad games here and there. Or, or Who knows? Like Some goalies are proud. I mean, goalies are a proud breed. They want to start, you know, if they can, eight, all 82 games, of course. That's their net, and, and they want that start, but... A few games here and there could you know get some things to heal. Like maybe he had a sore hip, sore something that you know it's not really big. It's just, he's hurt, not injured. There's a difference. And then having that day off to have him recover and then get him refocused mentally. Him watching from the bench, you know, he's motivated more. He's like, okay, you know, I'm watching Miller. He did this wrong. He's doing this right. Oh, maybe I should try doing this. And he gets more ideas and it can make him a better goaltender. But I 110 percent agree with you what you said. And, you know, moving on, uh, this homestand, the Ducks finished it out against uh, Calgary, and they ended up dropping this game uh, 2-1. to one. They actually started out uh, with a goal early in the second period by Silverberg, his fifth goal uh, of the season. And things looked good for the Ducks in this game. Uh, they, they did have three power plays. They didn't score. You know, big shocker. Uh, but it, things looked good until towards the end of the second period. Uh, Stone scores, and it's 1-1. to one. You go into the third period, uh, then Backlund scores almost halfway through the period, and Calgary's up 2-1. to one. The Ducks had all kinds of chances in this game. Uh, really, I, I, I thought in this contest that they would at least get another goal in that third period and force overtime, at least earn a point. They played you know, extremely well in this game, but you know who also played well, Eddie, was uh, Cam Talbot. A lot of people uh, I saw before... The game, when they knew he was starting, they're like, oh, we own this guy and we're going to take him out. Well, that wasn't really the case. He only gave up one goal and 30 shots. And, and yeah, the Ducks also did miss out on some opportunities as well. There there were some close ones uh, in the final period. Uh, Richie and their Comtois as well, they had some chances where they either uh, missed the net or Talbot did you know get a piece of the shot or whatnot. So you have to give him credit. He played a good game. Though I thought overall between the two teams, I thought the Ducks played better. You know, they they won the faceoffs almost you know sixty percent, just under that. Um, they didn't give up any penalties in this game. Uh, the Flames had more uh, giveaways as well. I, I just I thought the Ducks as a team played well. They just ran into a, a, a hot goalie. Oh yeah, especially in that third period, Nick Ritchie had a beautiful chance to tie it up. It just he shot too low, and Cam Talbot was owning the bottom of the net. And the Ducks, for some reason, they weren't able to lift that puck up 
And, and like you said, Cam Talbot, he, he was a first star for a reason. He, he played lights out. I thought the Ducks had this game, especially I, I was probably one of the ones thinking too, like, okay, it's Cam Talbot. You know, he's had that rocky start. The Ducks have, you know, owned him. He has that, you know, that mental thing from comeback on Contella. Like, oh, we got this. The Flames only won one game in the last God knows how many freaking seasons. Like, yeah, you know, you can't win here. We got this. And, you know, Cam Talbot just totally saved them. And I think if, if he wasn't in net, the Ducks would have got that goal in the third period and, and at least forced overtime. It, it wasn't a bad game. It just the Ducks ran into a really hot goalie, and he was just, he was just on, his, on his game. A few things I did notice, too. Um, I want to touch on a Gibson save in the first period. Uh, I think uh, one of the broadcasters called it. Um, it gets clicks clicking your heels, so I want to call it the Dorothy save. You click your heels and you want to go oh, <laughs> Kansas or whatever. I forgot what the Wizard of Oz thing is, but I noticed there was a few more turnovers that the Ducks were making, and they let the Calgary Flames get a lot of odd man rushes. And thankfully, Gibson, the number three star of the game, he saved their asses. But you know, and the power play too. The power play is is a problem this season, and we have to do something to, to fix it. The Ducks did not take a penalty this game. That's just really odd because the Ducks have been getting a lot of penalties. Rare. Yeah. 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 Little clap on for the Ducks over there. I don't know how much they paid the, the the refs that game, but hey, keep keep it coming. But you had three power plays, one in each period, and you failed to score. It's, it's a trending pattern. And if, if they can work on their power play, they could be a dangerous team because a lot of teams are taking penalties against this team, but the Ducks aren't responding and i think teams aren't afraid to take penalties against the ducks okay this team is weak on the power play so we can afford to take a penalty but i think the um i think it was a goalie battle and unfortunately cam talbot was the one that came up winning and 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 took the better half of the ducks Uh, i did notice too i want to say it was a gibson's bobble legs night i haven't really seen him up close i'll probably see it Soon, uh, you posted that video, Mike. It, it looked pretty cool. I've never seen Bobble Lake, so that's pretty cool from the Ducks. And then there's some guy that looked exactly like Timu Solani. Wow, it's like his twin. <laughs> no, but Timu Solani was a – we had a Timu Solani sighting at the game. And it's just unfortunate, too, that he was at the game. Ducks didn't win. But it's always good to see Solani still supporting the Ducks. And, and he's a fan favorite. And I've seen a lot of fans that game taking pictures and Solani with a big smile. And it, it just – I, I know I've said this before, and I'll say it again, and I'll say it a million more times, and I really don't think you guys will get tired of hearing this, but he is the best damn athlete in all sports, period. Uh, he's the epitome of what an athlete, professional athlete should be. I, I think, you know, in my opinion, he's the greatest athlete in the world to me. Yeah, I mean, he's always fan-friendly. Every time you interact with him, he'll, you know, stop and say hi, sign a jersey, sign a, you know, a hockey card or whatnot. He's just he's just fan-friendly. Uh, that's just the way to look at it. And, of course, he's, you know, one of the most popular players. Uh, I should say retired players now. Obviously, it's been a couple seasons, but he's still super popular. And uh, it was funny. He was actually sitting behind uh, Phil Hewlett, uh, a couple rows behind him, so I could. I'm sitting opposite uh, where I'm at, so I, I could see him over on that side. That was that was good to see. So he was down there and he was cracking up when he was on the big screen. But yeah, usually when Tame was in the building, the Ducks win and and they they couldn't pull it out in this game, unfortunately. Um, but again, going back to the whole swag and grit and all that, we saw that in this game. Uh, Lucic tried to follow up a shot, got in there in front of Gibson. And you saw basically the whole team get in front of Gibson and and knock Lucic on his ass. And if if you really didn't watch the video clip we posted, or maybe you missed the game or whatever, you really have to go back and watch it because if you look, Gibson's really sneaky. He gets a little poke check in there that kind of assists Lucic down to the ground, if you know what I'm saying. So that that was hilarious as well to see uh, Gibson get a little action in there too and a little feistiness. Uh, You also saw Getzoff flatten Zarnek too. Uh, in the middle of the game, and I, I was surprised Getzloff didn't get a penalty. It looked like the ref pointed towards the penalty box, but I guess he didn't call one, so the Ducks got no penalties in this game, which was a surprise, like you said, Eddie. I don't remember the last time that that has ever happened. But again, the, the, the Ducks did you know lose this game, but we still see the grit in there. We still see the fight in there. Uh, we see them defending their goalie, defending their teammates. It's still all positives despite this loss, Eddie. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, and Lucic falling it. 
I like his style of play, but it, it's Lucic, so he's not on your team. You have to hate him. But it, him even falling, <laughs> he was slow falling. Like, bro, like you're slow at skating, you're so slow at falling. But Getzloff knocking him on his that one, the other dude on his ass. Oh my god, I was just I watched that video over and over and over again, and I saw the ref point, and it looked like he was pointing toward the penalty box. I'm like, oh, you know what? Two minutes, well worth it. But it was just, <laughs> oh, Getzloff. Getzloff still has that physicality and that grit, and you can tell he has this, that fire and like a newborn fire and passion. Like he seems like he enjoys the game again. Last season he was just kind of kind of bland. It didn't seem like he enjoyed it as much. But in the last few games, especially this Calgary one, he just he, he leads by example. Like his team's getting into the scrum, and he gets in there. And he doesn't back away. He's you know this is my team. I'm gonna protect my teammates. And luckily. He probably deserved a penalty for that, but luckily the refs, <laughs> for some reason, got a big payday. Or I don't know what Honda Center was feeding the refs. Maybe they were just happy with the, with the team's uh, catering. But uh, I mean, it, it worked out in the Ducks' advantage. Unfortunately, Ducks can pull out a win, but it, it wasn't to their their lack of play. Like I said, it was just goaltending. Yeah, absolutely. It was a goalie battle, and and this was the first game the Ducks lost at home. You know, they had been undefeated up to this point, but whatever, it's okay. Um, they still won two out of three, and they're still rolling at this point, still playing good and whatnot. Then they started their road trip, uh, four games, uh, Nashville, Dallas, Colorado, and Vegas. And, of course, we draw Nashville in this first game on the road. And, uh, yeah, things didn't go so well for the Ducks. This was the Ducks' worst loss in terms of the score. They lost 6-1 to one to Nashville. Very, very frustrating game. The Ducks had chances early on, could not convert. Um uh, Nashville was handed a five-on-three power play. I'll talk about that in a second. But they had that, and they converted uh, early in the game. And then Colton Sissons uh, gets out of the penalty box, and he, he scores. And they're up to you know a 2 nothing advantage in the first period. And then uh, they dropped two more on the Ducks in the second period. Um, the Ducks had a bad turnover one of their power plays, and Ekholm gets a breakaway and scores. And just everything went wrong for the Ducks. I mean, they didn't play that bad of a game. I mean, if you didn't watch it and you saw 6-1, to one, you'd think, oh, the Ducks sucked. They got blown out, which they did. But it just there was a lot of opportunities in this game for the Ducks, and they couldn't cash in. Uh, even uh, Troy Terry had a penalty shot. He couldn't convert on that. Uh, like I said, the Ducks gave a shorthanded goal in a power play. Um, they had another one where they almost scored. And then, like I said, Sissons came out of the box and scored. Uh, just a lot of things went wrong for the Ducks. I mean, the face-off circle, they dominated. They they beat Nashville 2-1 in this one. They were really winning the shot battle until uh, the third period when the Ducks kind of disappeared. They only had a couple shots in the final frame. but And, and they got very frustrated. We'll talk about that uh, as well, Eddie. But overall, this game, the score is not going to show it. You're, you're going to sit there and go, the Ducks got blown out and they're terrible. But they weren't. They had fight in this game. They were going after Nashville. And again, they played Rene, who is undefeated this season in regulation. And we have a lot of fan questions, too, about this game that we'll get to after we talk about uh, some of this. But he was just on his game again, Eddie. He, for some reason, um, I can't stand that guy. Whenever whenever the Ducks play him, he's just always on his game. Oh, yeah, definitely. Ducks haven't beat the Preds since like, it was 2015, I read the stat was. Uh, that's, that's, I think in regulation, that's, it's been a while. And unfortunately uh, for tonight, the Ducks couldn't get out of a win. Uh, on a positive note, Richie was having a decent game. He had a, a few close chances in the beginning before taking his little ding-dong penalty that he did. I, I think it just the Ducks got frustrated. A, a few bad calls didn't go the Ducks' way. The Ducks went down 2 nothing, and I think the Ducks were their own worst enemy and let that get to their head. It's just one of those games. Uh, anyone that plays any sport, or you know what, like just living life in general. Like sometimes things don't go your way. Sometimes you get all the red lights. Sometimes you don't get those lucky bounces. It's it wasn't your night, and it seemed the, the Ducks had that that kind of life mentality and, and game mentality today. They didn't play bad at all. They had a lot of fight. Even uh, one of their Nashville players um, was talking about how. Yeah, yeah, they think they're up four nothing. He was saying like, "Oh no, the the Ducks have played played well. It's just I can't believe we're up." And they played. I think he said they played better than Nashville was. It just unfortunately 
a few bounces and, and the Ducks just couldn't get things going. And they had some fire in the third period. Uh, lead by example, Getzloff finally uh, broke the shutout thing, scored a goal, but then Nashville scores right back and just puts the Ducks back in their in their place. Uh, I think the Ducks were the worst enemy today, and they kind of just let Nashville run with the game. And it's just one of those games. Every team's going to have them. Uh, it's an 82 game season. I'm sure the Ducks are going to have a really bad game like this, even though how how well they play. But it's just one of those things that we have to just move on for, learn from, and do better next game. Yeah, the the one thing that was frustrating, I think, was the beginning of the game because the Ducks had been called for a penalty. They killed it off. Then they were called for another one. Then Silverberg got called for one that was super iffy, and. I can't stand that when a team gets a five on three and, you know, one of those two penalties is, you know, lack of a better word. Yeah. Yeah. Questionable. I don't want to, I don't want (laughs) to say anything inappropriate, but yeah, it was super questionable that call on Silverberg. I I just, that really irritated me. And then for Nashville to score like immediately right after it's like a double whammy. It's like, okay, we're down five on three because of this, this questionable call. And then they score. I mean, it just kind of takes the wind out of your sails. And, and and then like I said, you you have you get your chances, but then you're not able to convert. You know, you, you have a chance to get back in this game. Uh, you you have Sissons get out of the penalty box. He springs and scores. You have Troy Terry. He he gets uh, hooked at the moment of truth. So they they make the right call. They give him a penalty shot. He doesn't score. I mean, there was chances in this game for the Ducks to get back into it. Uh, they had plenty of power plays in the second period, and they couldn't score. And they had a shorthanded goal again. So, I mean, there were still opportunities in these first two periods for them to get back into it. At least make it, you know, maybe not tied, but at least score some goals in there and be a little bit more um, competitive on the scoreboard. I, I think the other thing, too, was the tactics in this. They talked about it before the game on the pregame show. And, you know, if you've watched Pecorino, he has a really good glove hand. Uh, he, he got beat by Getzloff on that one, but that's because Getzloff does this little deceptive move where he turns the puck and, and makes you think he's going one way and then shoots the other way. But the thing I didn't like in this game with the Ducks, Eddie, is they didn't take enough shots down in the corners or fivefold. They were taking a lot of shots that were ending up in the chest or you know by his face or by his glove. That's You're, you're going in uh, Rene's wheelhouse. Anything waist up, he's extremely good at stopping. Uh, the Ducks should have tried some more chances down low. I'm not saying it would have changed the outcome of the game. I mean, obviously they lost by a lot. However, I, I think they would have gotten a couple more goals at if they would have, you know, read him a little bit better. I mean, this is a young team. A lot of these players haven't played some of these goalies as much as some of the other guys have. So that could be part of the factor too in this one. But uh, that's just one thing I think that they could have done better. And it, it may not have won the game for them, but it might have changed the out, you know, the outcome a little bit, Eddie. Oh, yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, I was talking to my buddy Richard during the game. He mentioned uh, Gibson's positioning, too, on that second goal. But they weren't really getting Rene to move laterally side to side. It seems like the shots were going right up top in his, in his comfort zone. And Rene wasn't, he was making saves, but wasn't scrambling. And he just seemed calm, cool, and collective. He didn't really stress him out. And it seems a lot of the shots were just going straight right in the chest or just going perfectly into his glove or blocker side. But he's a good goalie. He struggled last season a few times, but for some reason, every time he plays the Ducks, he's just great. And with Getzloff, Getzloff is so unpredictable with goalies because he's a pass-first kind of guy. And even as fans, as people have been watching Getzloff from his rookie days, we don't even know what the hell Getzoff's going to do. It's like, okay, Getzoff has the puck. 99% of the chance, like, time, he's going to go look for a pass. But then when he shoots, it's like, whoa, Getzoff's shot. It's like a surprise to everybody. I wish they would have put some more pressure on, on Pecorine right there and got him moving, like, laterally and making him scramble to make some saves and making him earn that, just that, you know, that win. But it seemed like it was an easy game for Rene. And, and once those penalties started trickling down, uh, the Ducks were their own worst enemies. And I think this was like the most appropriate game for our sponsor at Refuse Suck. Um, I think this was a, the, the the game that this, our sponsor, Refuse Suck, it was most appropriate because the ref, honestly, they did suck tonight. And I think they, they didn't cause, they weren't the determining factor to cause the actual loss of the Ducks, but they were played a part in it. 
Yeah, and I, that's what I was talking about in the beginning, that, that five on three. It really, uh, it's just a double whammy. And I think that just got the Ducks off to the wrong foot, and they got a little frustrated. And then you give up that goal right after you had a power play, and you saw the frustration boil over. And, you know, we asked for a lot of fan questions for the show, and, man, a lot of you sounded off about <laughs> this game with Nashville. Uh, a lot of questions on that, some on some other topics, but we'll focus on some of this stuff. Uh, some of them are more comments than questions, but we'll kind of go through some of them, Eddie, uh, on Facebook. Pretty funny here. We had Doug said, uh, you know, why can't Nashville ever win a game without diving? <laughs> Which uh, we've seen that. Yeah, that's true. It happens, uh, um, uh, at least against the Ducks. I think a new shirt idea, Mike. Uh, uh, what Nashville dive? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It used to be the Kings. Remember, we had that shirt in the past. We may have to make another one. Which, by the way, we do have that Sharks choking shirt, which we just finally restocked. I know a lot of you are into that one. So uh, you can go to tpnhockey.com and check out that shirt and all the other shirts. So, uh, Eddie, with the uh, the uh, the plug right there. Um, but, yeah, we may have to look into a Nashville shirt as well. So, uh, I mean, I, I don't know if they do it against all the other teams. But whenever they play the Ducks, yes, they do seem to, to you know, when there's an aggressive play by a Ducks player, they seem to fall down pretty easily. So I think that's one of their tactics, Eddie, when they play the Ducks. And then unfortunately, when the Ducks are over-aggressive, and then the refs will end up calling the penalty in their favor. They do it against the Avalanche, too, because I, I watch all the Avalanche games, too. And when the Preds and the Avs play, same thing. The Preds seem to go down a little easier. They seem to cry a little bit more. I think it's just part of their little pattern of, of how they try to get games to go in their favor. So it must be uh, something in their water over there. Yeah, something with the catfish or something, you know, those dirt, dirty catfish on ice. But, uh, you know, and then Connie brought up this question, you know, why can't we win in Nashville? And you talked about the Ducks haven't won there since uh, 2006, uh, excuse me, 2015 in the regular season. Uh, I think part of it is that. I, I think the Ducks do get overaggressive and they get frustrated. And, and part of it, we talked about the shooting uh, against Pecorine. I mean, he always seems to, you know, be up for those games against the Ducks. And special teams play, whether it's the refs calling, you know, some questionable stuff or, or the Ducks getting frustrated and, and taking some penalties, which, uh, we, you know, we saw Nick Ritchie do that uh, at the end of the game. And he got booted out of the game, by the way, if you missed it, um, you know, which we'll talk about a little bit later in our, our trade segment. But um, that's some of the things I see uh, with this team is, is the way they attack Pecorine. Uh, sometimes it's the way the refs make calls. And like you said, uh, certain teams, when they play other teams, they like to dive. And, and Nashville, for some reason, has been diving against the Ducks like since, I, I think, like the beginning of time. I, I mean, it's just ridiculous. I mean, they should have their own dive team, Eddie. I, I just I get so frustrated when we play them. But they always do play the, duff, the Ducks tough. And uh, no Ryan Kessler, obviously, this season. So that kind of hurts Anaheim as well because, of course, he gets up for any game against Nashville and any game against the Kings. So not having him as well. I think it's been tough for the Ducks, at least this season. Uh, you know, it's just the one game, obviously. But uh, I don't know what your thoughts are why the Ducks are having trouble on the road uh, against the Preds. I just think it gets in their head. These players have that mentality. Uh, if you can go back and look at the Calgary Flames when they had trouble winning at Honda Center, that was a huge drought and psychological things to take in effect. And you have that, that I guess, that complacent mentality and that kind of like just – Crews like okay, we haven't beat this team since the 2015 regulation. We're gonna lose them again, and it just gets to their head. Our, our one thing goes wrong. For example, like I mentioned before, the penalties, and it just kind of like tips the dominoes from there. And you, and you know, if you lay like stand up dominoes, and you tip one. What happens to the rest of them? I, I think that's just the, the, the mentality the Ducks have. I think it's more of a mental block. I think once they finally get that win on the road against Nashville, uh, or just that win against Nashville, they'll be different. I mean, last season was one of those rare things because last season the Ducks were just terrible. But it's just, I think, like I said, the Ducks are their own worst enemies when it comes to playing teams that they haven't beat. And they have a road trip coming up too. And once we uh, get past this Nashville game, we'll talk about that because it's not going to get any easier. Yeah, exactly. This is just the start of the road trip, and they've got you know Dallas, Colorado, and Vegas as well. And we'll, we'll like you said, we'll mention that a little bit, but uh, they're going to have to really uh, regroup quickly. Um, well, I guess we'll shift gears a little bit here, uh, real quickly. I'll just tell you the sponsor for this week's show is Bar Down Breaks. Uh, you can check them out on bardownbreaks.com. They do uh, basically where you can buy hockey cards by the team. So they have packs or boxes of hockey cards. 
you um, go to their site and they will uh, give you a team, whichever one you want to pick. You want to pick the ducks, go, you know, get all the ducks cards out of that pack, basically, instead of getting random packs of cards with each player from different teams. So they're also going to be at our watch party coming up this uh, Sunday. We're having another one at El Ranchito in Orange against the Vegas Knights, and then they're going to do one of their uh, uh, pack breaks on that day. So uh, check it out. Hopefully you can come to that watch party. Um, With that, some other news that happened today, uh, we're recording the show right after this Nashville game. Maybe a surprise to some of you, uh, Luca Spiza is back on the team, uh, Eddie, after being gone for a little bit. The Ducks uh, signed him, uh, Elliot Friedman of Sportsnet, uh, mentioned that before the game. Interesting reactions from some of you out there. There's a lot of WTFs. Uh, why do we bring him here? You know, he's not that good and, and yada, yada, yada. But it kind of goes into what's going on with the San Diego goals as well, Eddie. Uh, he has to clear waivers, which most likely should happen, and then he'll come to the Ducks. He was on a professional tryout with uh, the Islanders where he, he played for a handful of games last season. Um, but... I mean, the reason why he's here is it's more of a depth move than anything, Eddie. This isn't a big signing, and we'll get to the trade rumors in a little bit. But the goals are having a rough time. They've lost all four of their games they played. They're getting outscored like crazy. I'm not saying Spees is going to come in there and save the day on defense, but they're looking for more depth at the blue line, and that's what this move's about, and it's a cheap move. Bring them in. Um, that's There's not a lot to it. That's all I can really say. Maybe he comes up and beats out Holzer. For that seventh defenseman role, we also I forgot to mention that uh, Brendan Gooley got off the IR. He hasn't played, but uh, he should be back sometime on this road trip. But anyways, the Ducks are still looking for blue line depth, and that's why they brought him in. He's a, a familiar player, and he's also a guy that uh, fits into the whole grit and swag thing that we've been talking about, Eddie. Uh, that's kind of his style of play. He's not a guy that's going to go out there and score. He's not a two-way defenseman and whatnot. He's just another guy that... Uh, is going to add blue line depth. Yeah, I was one of those like WTF moments, but then I one day started thinking about it and really digested it. I was like, it's not a bad move. We'd have to give up anything. We're not signing him to an like a big contract, throwing money his way, throwing no movement, no trade, and anything like that. It's just a simple signing, and I I, I like it. He's going to go down to the goals. Uh, he most likely going to clear waivers. He's going to help them out on their defensive line. And like you said, hopefully uh, gives competition to Holzer and and they can battle it out to who can have that number seven spot on defense. And uh, Spies is a physical player too. He has a lot of grit and he has a lot to prove. Uh, he was with the tryout with the Islanders. Obviously the Duck Scouts saw something they liked in him and, and prompt the signing. And I trust the Duck Scouts a lot. I have a lot of respect for them. They've been doing well drafting. And finding those like diamond the refs are, are finding players that had that potential. If you want to uh, rewind a little bit, uh, we got speeds up back at the 2009 NHL entry draft. He was traded uh, along with Joffrey Loophole and 2009 and 2010 first round picks from Philadelphia for Chris Pronger and Ryan Dingle. So we had speeds up from that trade, and then on uh, June 27, 2014. We traded Spiza to the Vancouver Canucks with Nick Benino, a first and second round third, uh, first and third round pick in 2014 for Ryan Kessler and a third round pick in 2015. So he's back with the Ducks. Uh, I, I've, I, I didn't mind him when he was with the Ducks. He, he was, you know, like you said, he's not one of those players that are gonna well and dazzle you with points. He's just gonna go there. He's just gonna play hockey and he's going to fill in that defensive role. So uh, I'm glad to have him back. It's, it's you know, like, we, I mean, we always said this before. It's an old thing, but it's a, a, a low risk. And this time it's a medium reward factor. Yeah, I agree. Uh, that's exactly what it is. So he's going to be back. Like we said, he's got to clear waivers, which most likely will happen. And, you know, the goals are having a really tough time this season. They, they've lost their first four games. Um, they did announce that Carrick is going to be the team captain for this season. Uh, but, I, you know, I'm not really that surprised, Eddie, about what's going on with the goals because most of the players that would be playing down there are all been pulled up with the Ducks. I mean, you're talking about Jones, Steele, Terry, um, Comtois. Uh, I mean, it's just all these guys are up there. Uh, you have Larson up there as well. 
Um, yeah, I mean, it's just that's that's kind of what was expected. I thought I didn't think the goals were going to have that poor of a start of a season, but I, I just didn't really think they were going to play well, uh, knowing that the Ducks had to use so many of those guys to backfill spots uh, for the season. Oh yeah, uh, and, and you forgot to mention too the goals have a brand new head coach. So they have to factor that in as well. It's still early in the season. The ducks are the goals are still um, they still have a, a lot of room to go. Uh, they're just getting used to a system. They have a lot of their their key players up with the ducks. Uh, they only scored six goals in the four games they did play, and they're their zero and four thing, and they allowed seventeen goals. So obviously, there's a they need some help back in the, at the blue line. The goals do play back-to-back games against uh, Ontario Rain coming up this Friday and Saturday. They play Friday in San Diego and then Saturday in Ontario. So if you guys are close, uh, closer to the Ontario area, Ontario's having uh, some like Oktoberfest kind of promotion. So it's pretty cool. So you can go taste some beer and go watch the goals. Hopefully, hopefully a back-to-back win. But uh, I mean, I'll settle for their first win uh, coming up. Uh, Sherwood leads the point, uh, the team in points right now. He has two goals and two assists for four, four points. He also did score the first goal for the goals this season. And if you guys want to uh, keep tabs on the goals this season, I suggest you read uh, the goals biweekly article by Thomas Harrington. He's our subject matter expert expert on prospects and on our rookie players. And he does a really great job at an analysis, and he really breaks things down. He works hard, so I suggest you uh, – Check out his articles and follow him on Twitter. He and he's you know more than open to answering any questions you guys have too. Yeah, absolutely. Thomas does a fantastic job. I mean, he's pretty much in charge of the prospects and the and anything with San Diego, uh, and it, basically anything that's minor league stuff with the Ducks. Uh, you know, AHL, uh, any, anything. Um, you know, it's Swedish leagues. Any European league, you know, any league but the NHL. Like he, he covers everything else, uh, which is awesome. And he, and like you said, he does a really uh, good job at it. He, he's doing a bi-leaky reports for the goals covering those games. And when other news comes out, he'll write articles sometimes on the spot, last minute uh, for me, which is is really really good. So check those out. And like you said, hopefully the Ducks, or excuse me, the goals can beat the Rain uh, in these two games coming up. Hopefully both, not just one. Uh, this coming weekend so with that uh, we'll kind of go into another part here we'll talk about some trade stuff I know some people asked before if there were some rumors about Richie being traded we had one Twitter uh, user ask us we had uh, at hammy whammy asked us you know is it crazy to start considering trading Richie Kasha and Raquel Uh, we want to get younger and build these three have been disappointing in the past years Uh, I, I guess Richie is the big one that we would say yes, obviously, uh, based upon our comments on this show and probably other shows. Plus, uh, we, we mentioned some of the stupid stuff he's been doing, uh, obviously getting fined uh, back in Buffalo. And then, of course, uh, he did a similar type thing. I mean, it's more of a group of players there in Nashville, but he goes after another guy when the play is kind of over. So Richie would be one of them, yes. Kasha, I would say no, uh, he does have some injury issues. We know that, but I, I would still keep Kasha, and I definitely keep Raquel. Um, he's he's been playing very well with Silverberg and Henrique this season. So, in terms of uh, those three, that's what I feel. Uh, what are your thoughts on those three players, uh, Eddie? And then we'll talk about some other players on other teams that the Ducks may trade for. Um, thank you for the question. Uh, posting on Twitter, uh, I think trading Raquel would be absolutely crazy. Raquel signed to a friendly cap hit, and he has so much potential. Yeah, he had a disappointing year last season. However, toward the end of the season, he was lighting it up, and he was, uh, you know, getting that fire back. And I think he can he, he can have a great season. And I think we haven't tapped into his potential yet. I think he can be, you know, one of the top points producer for the Ducks, if not the top points producer. So I think that'd be crazy. Would Kasha? That, that's kind of like I, I'm kind of yes and no because he has a lot of potential. He's been playing great. He has a lot of speed. The injuries have been a factor, and we just don't know what we have for him yet. So it's going to be kind of a gamble. Uh, you, you want to put you know, your $93 on block or red kind of thing, and, and hopefully it pans out. Nick Ritchie, I'm over it. 
I'm trying to have an unbiased uh, approach when it comes to Nick Ritchie. I don't like him personally. I, I've had a, an incident where I saw something personally where he told a, a young lady, a girl, uh, when I was uh, with the Ducks, uh, she had a, a, a holding a box in the elevator, and he told her that take the stairs because it's a player's elevator, and the players are going to use the the elevator. And then Cam Fowler told that that young lady, "Hey, well, you know what? Look, she has a box. Like, you know, she can come down." Uh, I just think he has a, a, a an attitude problem, and I think he thinks he's better than he is. And it seems like he expects things just to come open and easy for him. And like I said, I, I try to to not take that personal thing that I know about Nick Ritchie and, and, and my decisions on talking about him. And I and I, I point out the good things he does. But, I mean, when it comes to Nick Ritchie, every day he's not traded, I'm like, what are you doing, Ducks? Trade him already. It, 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 it's not going to work out. And, you know, like, and I, I'm, I love being proved wrong. When I say things, I love it. If I prove wrong, if Richie comes on Thursday and scores a hat trick or just starts, you know, being a top producer and living up to that tenth overall pick, then I'll gladly come back on the show and say, "Hey, you know what? I apologize for saying that about Nick Richie. I was wrong. I mean, maybe his character at that time something I don't agree with, and I, I don't like him for that reason. But hey, you know what? I was wrong on my analysis on on his potential as a player, but." I think it's. I think the Ducks are crazy enough not to be trading Nick Ritchie at this point. Yeah, I'm not going to beat the dead horse, but some of the players that have been mentioned out there uh, that the Ducks have been connected to, not that these are done deals uh, or that they're in the works or anything, but just some players that maybe the Ducks are looking to, to go for. One name that's been thrown out there is Taylor Hall. And another one's uh, Eric uh, Goodbranson. So those are two names. Uh, we also know, um, and I'll let you kind of go into this a little bit more, uh, Eddie, because you did some more research on it than I did. But uh, with Goodbranson, they're talking about, uh, you know, Kasha being one of them that would go in there. Maybe Rowney's another player. Um, you know, talking about the you know Ducks and Pittsburgh have kind of done some deals. The Taylor Hall thing, the Ducks and uh, the Devils have kind of done some deals before, obviously. So those are a couple players that maybe the Ducks would look at. You know, Taylor Hall would be a left wing to add for some more offense. Maybe be a player to to provide more of a scoring punch. Though the Ducks have been scoring goals um, for the most part this season. Uh, where Goodbranson would obviously be that right-hand defenseman that the Ducks would add to try and you know bolster the blue line a little bit more. So, um, what are your thoughts on both of these players, Eddie, and how you know the Ducks may or may not try to acquire one or both? Let's talk about uh, Goodbranson first. Uh, Pierre Le- uh, LeBron reported that teams uh, could be coming to terms on that trade. He's a six-five, approximately two hundred and twenty-pound right-shot defenseman. Was drafted. First round, third overall by the Florida Panthers. He's played in 472 career games with 16 goals, 48 assists, 64 points. He's had 554 blocks and 1,141 hits. This season, five games with the Penguins, he has zero points, one block, and 11 hits. He does carry a $4 million cap hit until 2020-2021. And like you mentioned too, uh, Kashe... Brownie, and then also a noted by LeBron was an ex-Penguin player they can possibly be trying to get. Pittsburgh Penguin wants to, to bolster their bottom six. They have some injuries going on. They're still playing some great hockey, and they're still a cup contender in my opinion. And we do have history doing deals with the Penguins. I think the ex-Penguin, just speculating because it wasn't written in uh, the report that I read, but I think it's going to be sprung, if, that, if anything. To get back, um, I know the Penguins want to trade Jack Johnson, but his cap hit and his play is not really allowing them to do that. So them getting rid of uh, this player, which they probably don't want to, they want to get rid of J- uh, Jack Johnson first. But it looks like it's not going to happen unless the Penguins want to throw in something for a team that has a cap space to sweeten the deal to take that that hit. I think that this thing would be good for the Ducks. We have a a, a, a physical defenseman, defensive defenseman. He could skate well. Uh, he has pretty good hands, makes some passes, and he, he's a smart hockey player. I think you know it, it can work out for the Ducks if they can make a trade. And if they don't give anything up 
of that much value and especially take advantage of the penguins the cap situation and taking that four million dollar cap hit and sending one of the players mentioned and then adding some some something sweet adding a, a draft pick from the penguins back or maybe a prospect or another player back would be good for the ducks yeah, I'm with you on that one. I, I think, uh, you know, Goodbranson might be more likely, like you, you're talking about, the Penguins cap situation. Uh, if you were to send, you know, Carter Rowney over there, I wouldn't be too upset. I know if it's Kasha, you're all going to pull out your pitchforks and stab me to death if I suggest that kind of move. So I'm not even going to go there with that one. Um, and I, and like I said, I agree with you. With Kasha, it's kind of, hey, he can score and do stuff. Yeah, he's had some injuries. I with him, I would still give more time and keep him on the team as opposed to Nick Ritchie. So maybe you send Ritchie to Pittsburgh. I I, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, as far as Taylor Hall goes, same thing. Send Ritchie over there and send a couple other players. I mean, whatever you'd have to do. I mean, the Ducks have plenty of cap space. This there's no issue with that. The the Ducks you know have several million plus like we've talked about. You have Eves and Kessler as well to fall back on for like another 7-8 million. I mean, you, they have plenty of money. That's not an issue. It's just a matter of what they would want to add or not to help this team. And I don't know if it's necessarily offense that they're looking at or not, but but definitely the power play has an issue and maybe if they go out and get a guy like Taylor Hall, maybe he can be on that power play and help improve that. Um you know, will they do it? I, I don't. I don't know. I, that one, I, I just don't see them doing as much. I, I see them more likely to trade with Pittsburgh, but who knows? I could be wrong. Um, I, I just don't see any big move uh, as far as a trade being made. Something small, sure. And you already saw Lucas Pisa, right? Something small, WTF, right? But um, that's the kind of stuff that we've been seeing. So if one of those two is to go down, I would go uh, with the Ducks making some kind of trade with Pittsburgh out of those two. Um, and with that, uh, I guess, Eddie, if you want, uh, you can break down some of the league news here as we're about to wrap up the show. Oh, yeah, definitely. I'll, I'll break down league news. Uh, a KHL coach was fined approximately 4700 American dollars for joking about setting a ref's car on fire. So I guess you uh, you can't joke about setting the ref's on a car on fire. You can continue chanting, ref, you suck, but don't say, I'm going to set your car on fire. Uh, former Ducks... Player Jamie McGinn is on a professional tryout with the Charlotte Checkers of the AHL. If you guys haven't heard too, in Dallas there was a big tornado, and Jamie or uh, sorry Taylor Sagan, Taylor Sagan, Sagan, my bad. Uh, he's listed a house that he was not living in for sale, and that house got completely destroyed from the tornado. And also Ben Bishop's home uh, suffered damages where him and his family had to stay with Jamie Ben. Because of that, so I wish the people in Dallas nothing but the best, and hopefully, uh, the people that that lost things can get it back and rebuild from from there. Because it's an unfortunate thing that happened over there. Brian Boyle signs with the Panthers, and also a uh, Minnesota Jason Zucker called out his coach in a player-only meeting they had, but he called out the rest of the team has to be better and mentioned that Boost Boudreaux has to coach better. He later retracted his statement, saying he shouldn't have said that. I get it. It's pure emotion. But as Ducks fans know and Capitals fans know, I mean, sometimes, you know, you have to call out a coach. And, and Boost Boudreaux is a great regular season coach. He's not a playoff coach. And, and obviously, with the roster that Minnesota has, they have some good moving parts. They should be better than what they're doing right now. So, I mean, was it right to call his coach like that as far as that? I don't know. I know a lot of people are undecided, 50-50. Some fans are pissed off at him. Other fans are like, okay. But in my opinion, he's a player. He should have handled it a little more tactfully. So that's going to wrap up the league news for this week. Yeah, I think uh, the Boudreaux situation is interesting. I think you know his, his seat might be heating up a little bit over there. But I'm, I'm with you too. If you're going to have some kind of... Um, I guess airing of the of dirty laundry or whatever you want to call it. I mean, you try to handle that stuff in the locker room, and I, and I don't think saying something about the coach out publicly like that is really going to help the situation of what's going on over there. So, be something to monitor and see how it all plays out. But um, with that, you know, we'll be back again. Like I said, another week. We're usually posting the shows every Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh, we hope you can make it to the watch party on Sunday. 
And don't forget to check out uh, patreon.com slash ducks and pucks. You can get uh, a $200 uh, gift card from Cool Hockey each month or some uh, ducks tickets. Uh, We're giving away some every month. So thanks for the support. We'll be back in a week. And let's go ducks.